BBS Radio is happy to present Rob Potter and the victory of the Light Radio Show. Join us here each week as together we will be expanding our visions into the grandeur of the heavenlies to realize the truth. Rob's shows are bridging the gaps between science and spirituality and moving beyond light and darkness. The universe is more than we can possibly imagine. So an open mind, an open heart is our only way through. The Victory of the Light Show is about to begin another hour of mind-expanding information. And now, weaving his wisdom into a peaceful worldview beyond the limitations of time and space, your host, Rob Potter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Victory of Light radio show. I'm your host, Rob Potter. And I'd like to welcome you all back. I've kind of been on a hiatus for my radio show for quite some time. And I'm now on bbsradio.com. As you're here today, you're listening to this. So I'd like to thank Doug and Don Newsom for their kindness and allowing me to broadcast on their station. I'm going to be here every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And we're going to be having a whole new series of interviews coming up here, and I'm getting a little higher quality uh, from my sound system, thanks to my sound man, Chris Spell, who's always been so kind and generous with me in donating his time and helping me deliver a pre-recorded product to BBS Radio. In the near future, I probably will be broadcasting live, but at this time, we're doing some pre-recorded shows. We have a series of shows coming up with Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller II, my amazing friend who got to live on Venus. And I'd also like to recommend that you go to the BBS Radio biography page. You're going to see lots of information, some links to my website. Um, I will have specials and products. Be sure to sign up there. So... Without further ado, um, I'm going to get you started here with Peter Moon, interview number one on bbsradio.com. It's been quite a while since I've done a radio show. I've uh, been revamping my website. Uh, I was uh, hacked and destroyed, and I've come back from the ashes like a phoenix here. We've got an amazing amount of new information coming forward from my friend, uh, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. We just returned uh, uh, from a, a month in China. That was a wild and amazing ride. The people are beautiful there. The, the knowledge, hunger is great. And we provided uh, a lot of spiritual and metaphysical information for them. And they were very, very appreciative. Um, there's some other uh, drama things that took place over there. I'm going to go that into that in the future. But I want to let you know I'm going to be starting my radio show up. For those of you who are interested, you want to uh, keep close to that. Also, um, my inner circle is going to be repaired and fully functional at some point here in the future. Also, I'll be traveling to the uh, South American uh, plateaus of Machu Picchu and Bolivia near Lake Titicaca. Um, and I'm going to be presenting with my friend and fellow contactee, uh, Louis 
Mostojo Martens, or Fernando Martens. And um, actually, his experiences are quite amazing. He has been inside to the New Grand Shambhala, as he calls it. It's an interdimensional elevator that goes to the center of the earth. He has seen the smoking sun, as it's been called. Um, and he has also uh, been in contact with some of the masters uh, down there. Uh, in the books we're going to be talking about today, um, you're going to get a reference to actually what this is about down there. And with that, I'm going to introduce Peter Moon. I'm going to bring him on in a few minutes here. For those of you who don't know uh, Peter Moon, um, he's an amazing and prolific author, and he has many, many books uh, that he's worked on, and most notably, of course, is the the uh, the Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, uh, Pyramids of Montauk, Explorations in Consciousness, um, let's see, uh, uh, Encountering the Pleiades, and then look at Inside Look with Preston Nichols and Peter Moon, um, The Black Sun, Montauk's Nazi Connection, and uh, Music of Time, uh, with uh, Preston Nichols, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, anyway, Peter is a prolific artist. He's brilliant. He has a, a very special niche. He has a, a metaphysical um, background of a pretty high level, and especially when it comes to time travel and some of the more exotic uh, technologies and information that remain hidden to us by these, some people call them breakaway civilizations. And um, never before has his work been so difficult because he's translating um, from Romanian into English, which in itself would be a mind-boggling task. But due to the nature of the of the details of the technological uh, uh, words used and things like this, uh, it's been quite a, a journey for him, and he'll share some of that. Also, um, there is actually a secret agent aspect to this. And as I read this introduction for you, it's a bit lengthy, but it's going to give you a background in the history who haven't, for those of you who haven't heard my previous interviews with Peter. But for those of you who want to know what's going on on the inner earth, if you want to know what's really happening down there, this is a monumental breakthrough in understanding what's going on in the inner earth, as opposed to the mysterious interpretations of individuals who have been in part way or the stories of the, the holes at the pole. All of that is clarified in this monumental book. And I'm going to recommend right now, folks, while you're listening to the show, you want to go to skybooks.com and you USA.com. skybooksusa.com. Pardon? Skybooksusa.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Skybooksusa.com. And you want to look at these books, and I'm going to recommend you order them immediately. And I'm also going to recommend you order this entire series all at once. Because when you, you start them, you can't put them down. And these particular books uh, start um, in... Um, in uh, Romania. I'm going to pull this up from the front here where I had this marked here. So the first book in this series is Transylvanian Sunrise and explains the circumstances surrounding the discovery of a chamber 
and also the political intrigues in addition to giving a graphic description of the chamber itself. These two books were featured and offered uh, in his uh, previous catalog, and these books are now uh, uh, available to benefit mankind. Um, I'm going to go to page, <laughs> sorry, 9, 10, here it is. Um, in the English version of these books, Peter has added his experience investigating these stories and the locales where the remarkable, remarkable uh, stories took place. Now, there was a gentleman named Radu Sinemar, um was being recruited uh, for Department Zero, the most secretive division of Romania's Secret Service by reason of his association and friendship with the mysterious Lama uh, Repasunde. Now, this first book was followed by Transylvanian Moonrise, where we learn that although the discovery was played out in the political arena, it was actually precipitated by a mysterious Tibetan Lama, Repasunde, who takes the author on a miraculous adventure to Tibet, where he meets Marchandi, a highly evolved blue goddess who is thousands of years old, giving him an ancient manuscript from Padmasaba, the second Buddha, which is designed to be released uh, at this propitious time uh, right now in human history. So after um, the first four books were done, uh, actually I want to go up to here. Um, One of the let's see, da, 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 da. it might be best if we just get into it. Yeah, maybe, but um, okay. So basically, the folks, is gonna get irritated. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna be muting here. I'm gonna I'm kind of done speaking. I'm gonna let Peter take it off. But um, so what's happened is is there's there's a series of books. It starts off with Transylvania Sunrise, then you go to Transylvania Moonrise. Um, then we go to um, the, I want to stay on the tunnels here. The next one that's concerning the tunnels is called Egypt, the first tunnel. Mystery of Egypt, the first. We have uh, the, the last book about the inner earth. And I want to say that you need to realize this last book that we're getting is only able to be released literally, I think it's about 12 years after these experiences. And uh, this actually is related to uh, some information in Antarctica that's coming forward now. But the primary uh, thrust of this book is Radu Sinemar's further explorations in the secret tunnel. And part of this information was released in the movie called Prometheus. Uh, and it's very, the only thing that's really real was some of the aspects of the giant, uh, uh, tables and chairs that showed genetics and stuff. And we talked about that in the first one, but Peter's going to take it off here because it involves time travel, viewing the past through advanced technology, and also the, the, the challenges in the consciousness of expanding and rising to through these interdimensional portals to be able to access the inner earth. And this is where we're going to focus on the information here. Peter knows it well. And again, please check out 
uh, his website and get these books. Uh, these need to be in the hands of every metaphysical light worker for understanding. Uh, we're planting a seed here, as it said in the books, for the eventual uh, meeting as we develop a peaceful planet to interface with our brothers inside the planet and various things. And uh, we'll be moving into time travel too, but it's a mouthful, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Moon, thank you. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm very excited for you to share uh, everything about this next book. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for having me. And as uh, Robert was alluding to here, there's uh, a series of books. We call them the Transylvanian series by Redu Cinemar. And there's five of them now. The last one being called Inside the Earth, The Second Tunnel. And this book is a very important book. Now, we've, we've covered some of the earlier work before, but this is about an underground installation that was discovered in 2003 beneath the Romanian Sphinx with holographic technology that is far beyond people's wildest dreams. It is more modern than it is ancient, although it is considered to be some 50,000 years old at least. And part of this technology includes uh, a device for, for going back and looking at the history of the world in holographic form, but it's bioresonant. So what you see is different than what I'll see. It's tailored to the individual. This is a, a viewing mechanism. But there are three tunnels within that projection room, and they go to different areas. As Robert was saying uh, in the third book called Mystery of Egypt, the first tunnel, they explore uh, to look for device uh, uh, to, to go to a tunnel that leads them beneath the Giza Plateau, where there is a similar installation with all sorts of archival disks that read out the history uh of certain aspects of history in a holographic form. So it's like a CD sort of like a big CD. And then it, if you activate it, it, it'll just read out a whole history in holographic form. Now, um, what is, uh, this has been developing over a series. Of, well, this discovery was made in 2003. It's now 2019. This is almost 16 years since the, this discovery has been going on. Over that time period, there have been five books authored by the author Radu Sinemar. And this latest book, well, I, I guess it's a progressive development of circumstances and events where first um, Radu is, is introduced to me uh, as a musician, an artist also happens to be either a writer or capable of writing. And he's selected by this very intriguing character named Caesar Brad, who is becomes the head of Department Zero in Romania. And he selects Radu to experience some of the uh, uh, phenomena that is in, in this chamber beneath the Sphinx. And it's all a long recruitment process for him to get involved and to become a sort of a spokesman to the outside world. And in this new book, Inside the Earth, The Second Tunnel, when they explore the second tunnel, the second tunnel leads them into different 
cities inside the earth. Where this becomes very critical and very important is there are very staunch scientific discussions in the book about people's misconceptions of the inside of the earth, sometimes called the hollow earth, which is an understandable misnomer for what is actually there. And one of the first things, and because of, of course, Radu uh, is very confused what he's learning about this. So he learns from the Lama that Robert alluded to earlier. The Lama teaches him, as does his mentor, Caesar. They both teach him about some of the physics and circumstances of inside the earth. And one of the first things we learn is that the earth is in, within the earth as uh in the middle of it is what is really a black hole, sometimes referred to as the black sun or the smoky god. And this is, they go into a scientific discussion of how black holes manifest. And of course, for those of you who are familiar, and you know, it's kind of, a, a lot of people don't really care about the science. And this is a mistake. One doesn't have to become a slave to it or lost in it. But uh, black holes are commonly thought to just suck in. Well, it was Stephen Hawking, the crippled Stephen Hawking, who became famous for uh, discovering that black holes actually do make emanations. I don't really, I can't really say that he took it any further than that, but it was that uh, pivotal recognition of, of radiation or picking up radiation that comes out of a black hole that made him famous and made certain people considered him suitable for occupying the chair of the royal astronomer Isaac Newton at Cambridge University so there's a lot of prestige involved with this but I would also say about Stephen Hawking that the fact that he's passed away now but the fact that he was so paralyzed and so physically maladjusted to the world was a very appropriate metaphor for the understanding of physics on this planet. Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting uh, subject there. Um, my friend, um, um, who has had some very uh, powerful experiences and understands physics, has talked about the, the great central sun, uh, of course, there's a black hole at the center of the galaxy as well as within each planet, as we now know. But um, he, he said that the what is seen is actually uh, some of the photons actually uh, uh, create this kind of superluminal light. Peter, let's take it from here. How does this next expedition begin? Give us a little backstory and then let's start down the tunnels and start sharing these various locations. Folks, we're going to one, two, we're going to Tomasis, Apelos, uh, we're going to uh, Yosemite, and then we're going to Argentina, where we go even deeper into the new Grand Shambhala. So, Peter, start us off on these amazing journeys. I will, but, but first I want to stress that um, all of this science preparation is to gear his head towards what he's actually going to be doing. And people... And, and there's one thing about the center of the earth, which is commonly thought to be iron and nickel, is uh, this is debunked. 
and, and there's a, an experiment that all scientists recognize called the Cavendish experiment, which is an, it means all these scientists are assuming based upon this experiment that there's an iron nickel core in the center of the earth. And he rips apart this argument very effectively because people are assuming they've never actually studied the foundations of the experiment. It's, it's, it's a, the correct experiment is correct within the relativity of where it's correct, but there's things that are certainly missing. The other thing is, is has to do with the magnetic fields of the earth and explaining the magnetic fields of the earth and how they interact with another region of space time, which is, uh, adjacent to, but independent of what we know as physical reality. So he explains how, like, say, when Admiral Byrd or somebody goes into these regions, uh, whether it be by airplane, the magnetism changes. But the magnetism and, and the perception of what's going on is directly linked to your own consciousness. If your consciousness is not aligned, you will not be able to go into these regions. And the, the, the problem is, if you have a device and that can penetrate these regions, it won't work be, unless the consciousness that you have is in alignment with that. So he has a whole section of the book on how to get in, inside the interior of the earth. And this is the sort of the first journey. And all of this technology is geared towards this. Yeah, this is a, that, that's an important point is the human consciousness is necessary. And actually, it's an acclimatization process to be able to uh, uh, go into the earth without kind of losing your mind. And there's also an explanation about the poles and uh, you have to be heading towards the pole, probably best on a sailboat at a at a, a constant speed, all of that stuff. But um, I want to get my metaphysical people uh excited about who's in there and what's down there <laughs> well yeah we'll we'll go there but uh, of course one can wrap their heads around this and i've done my best to make it as simple to understand as possible yeah you've done a great job there i, I just want to say that this uh th this these first two chapters put the scientific world on notice because they can't keep flailing at the idea of black holes the way they have been and as well as the inside of the earth but anyway so there is this second tunnel and the first place he's designated to go is a place called Tamasis and Tamasis is in Romania in eastern Romania southeastern Romania under uh, an actual city that is called Thomas, or an ancient city called Thomas. It's not far from the modern city of Constanta. Constanta in uh, it's a sea that's a seaport in the black on the Black Sea, and it's also not too far from where the camp I go to every year. Uh, you know, it's probably within a half an hour. But that's the region, the city above it. Down below is an actual uh, city underneath the earth, and it's a uh, this is not an interdimensional city. This is an actual city that is, the circumstances of the city are such that one is in a cavern, like it's huge. 
and it has its own sky. It's an inner earth location. And I'm trying to give give you the best description. I'm trying to find it. It's one of it's one of many caverns, and there are various levels of technological development. Some of them have interactions with different uh, ET groups throughout the planet, um, and these particular ones that they're going to um, have various levels of technology for lighting. And as we discover, there are uh, we actually progress in a more rarefied level of vibration that goes from the physical plane uh, to the etheric, and then finally. Uh, in the last book, you'll have to get these books, folks. Please support Peter. He works tirelessly. Amazing stuff here. When they get the final door closed, which kind of seems like slow, slow motion, they finally kind of reach the astral uh, plane or the the next dimension there, uh, at least from my understanding. Let, let me say now here, I, I found the location, and it's better to have it described out of the book than out of my memory. He's stepping out of an elevator. He's going to this city, Tomasus. And he's on a platform that is an extension of the, the rock wall. And he sees a, a humanly designed landscape. And the soil is a mixture of sand and fine, fine pebbles with rocky sides of the entrance to the elevator. The rocks were not polished, but they seem to be carved. In the valley, outside of the elevator, there's a valley that opens up before. And he sees an inhabited city spread to the left and the right. Looking up, he sees a cloudy but bright sky of luminous lightning, lighting uh, with a quiet reddish-yellow color. The light was not bright, nor did it have great intensity. In the distance, close to the horizon, to the side, he could see how the sky seemed to bend in a way that is confusing and hard to describe. Um, it's kind of where the sea ends and where this strange atmosphere begins because there is a sea that he sees. Uh, he feels that the landscape closes somewhere in the distance. He sees the rocks making a curved line as they tend to close into the horizon. And he has the impression that it's not too big of a cavity inside the planet. And he's, he's wondering if, if, the, if this is the hollow interior of the earth and it's, it, it's been the source of so many legends. The guide that is with him from the interior of the earth basically answers him and says, no, this is not the empty, empty interior of the center of the planet. You know, you'll, he says, you'll probably end up there later on, but what you see here is just empty space inside of a solid bed of, you know, rocky materials inside the planet. Kind of like a Swiss cheese scenario. Hey, Peter, can you tell them, I, I know later in the book, I forget, but uh, how, how tall is the ceiling? How high is it approximately? Um, does he discover later? I don't, I don't remember the exact size, but he says, he says, this is actually in the mantle of the earth where they are this first trip. And he says that, you know, the science in, on earth doesn't understand the function uh, or the structure of the mantle. So life, but life can still manifest in these areas. So um, he says, there's many different other, cavities inside the earth where life can manifest and how it uh, even gives a picture of it. It's an illustration. How did he get to this elevator? What would the origin of that and kind of take him through the bifurcation tunnel thing? Well, that's going back 
where it's like he goes through a and, and underneath this he goes through a this tunnel, but the tunnel has all sorts of I guess what you'd say advanced technology. So he just you know it's like you're flipping dimensionally when you go through that tunnel. I can't I mean I can't describe it any any better than that without going back into the exact details. Right. Well, uh, in the first tunnel, folks, they take a, a, a vehicle, and this one, they literally just walk, and Alakazam, they're down there. All right, so uh, we're, we're on the plateau. We're inside the second tunnel. I'll let you take it from there. Okay, so he sees vegetation on the ground. He doesn't see a sun, but he sees a thick, thick blanket of bright clouds. The light is uniform and evenly distributed, and he also has – it has clouds, which makes it sort of an orange, orangey sort of shine with with diffused light. Um, as he can, as he continues, you know, he's just like scoping this out. He sees fog, um, and and just the general intensity of the light. So the vegetation is. different than what you find on the surface. It's not quite the same. And everywhere he goes, the vegetation is a bit different. It's a, it's a little similar, but it's not exactly. So he says that the vegetation is green with a sort of a brownish green, and it's sort of dull without brilliance. And this is indicative of the quality of light down there. It's not as obviously not as bright as our sun, but he feels a lot of vital energy down there. The colors in general are not as vivid. And what he calls the seawater is a dark color. It wasn't blue, but a dark blue-green. And in the distance, it would appear gray. He's got some illustrations of the vegetation. It's neither lush nor tall. Um, the tallest trees are more like shrubs. And... Let me see here. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't see animals. I don't remember if there are animals in this particular city. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Uh, Tomasis didn't have animals, but let's talk a little bit about the buildings and uh, the origins from the Dacian uh, Roman situation there, where these people came from. Well, he, he does talk about that, that these people are the ancient descendants of the Docs or Dacians. Uh, the Dacian Empire, which is basically the ancient people of Romania that were the forerunners of places like Rome. And they basically, when Rome came to wipe out Dacia and, and the wars that, that were, were held around the year 100, a lot of people escaped into the underground, a tremendous amount of them. And they set up a colonies there and and this was one of them so they have a relationship with um rob will be appearing in irvine california at the atrium hotel next to john wayne airport october 4th to 6th 
but will be speaking there at the Portal to Ascension conference. You see this information on the PromiseRevealed.com website or go to theascensionconference.com to see the schedule and details. Keep an eye out on the Promise Revealed because soon Rob will be launching his new line of Pleiadian jewellery called the Nuclear Receptor and the Andromedan jewellery called the Holographic Projector. Rob would also appeal to your generosity to help the children at the Sadala Orphanage in Tanzania, Africa. If you will click on the image on the left-hand sidebar titled Sadala Orphanage on the Promise Revealed homepage, you can see how the children need your help. And now, back to the Victory of the Light radio show. The existing culture today, but it's it's a mysterious relationship. It's not like you can go knock on the door and there's goods that are that are traded. You know, there's a commerce in between the two areas, the upper inner or the earth and the upper surface of the earth. So um, it's sort of a forced cultural uh, exodus that results in a um, new civilization, which we say, or a, the continuance of an old civilization. So this is a incredible place he visits, but as incredible as it is, it's he's just scratching the surface because this is a physical location. It's not a interdimensional location. So he, he learns from, um, he learns from all of this. It's sort of like getting his feet wet in the inner earth. This is a uh, a short trip. It's a short trip. And he says, he's told by one of these guards that before the wars, there was connections between the inside and the outside, the surface world and the inner earth. And these cavities and access ways were known to many people. It was an, a completely different type of thinking and mindset. And I would also point out to people that during the early Christian era, the the watchword was the, the symbol for the Vesica Pisces. And the Vesica Pisces is, is symbolic of the fish, but it's also like two spheres interlocking. And it's meant to represent a transference between the worlds. So if you look at the real early Christianity that's unblemished by some of the so much that was written about what took place at that time period, it was about leaving this world. It was about disconnecting from this external surface world and not taking it so seriously and in going to the other world, the other realm. And you can define that as love and God and all this stuff, but it's it's without the all the negative accoutrements that go with this physical world. So what you have here is a, and this is right around that time period when Christianity gets uh marked up on the planet around 100 AD is when these these Dacian wars were. So here you have people actually escaping. And of course, what's left behind with Christianity is a philosophy and uh, practice of martyrdom and cruelty and denying the physical pleasures of the body. And it, it really goes south. This books that you've done uh, along with Radu and the information that's being shared is going to put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together for a lot of people um, as they move forward into this information. Let's get back to um, he's in the city and then uh, where we go from there 
heading towards a, yes. a Pelos. He's yes. Well, see, this is like his introduction, uh, and then he's now he's going to be taken to another city that is a much more advanced city. It's called Apelos, A-P-L-L-O-S, Apelos. And he sees a, he's taken to a commuter or shuttle device that links cities inside the earth. Um, he's, he's taken in a capsule floating at about 10 to 15 centimeters above the ground with an anti-gravity effect. And it's it's sort of an elliptical vehicle with specific lines at the end. It's about seven to eight meters long. The height is about three meters. Compact, massive, perfectly polished. And uh, it's got an aerodynamic shape. He doesn't know what material it's built out of. It's white with a, with a white cream color in some areas. So um, he goes into a technical description of the vehicle, which I will bypass. Um, and he talks about the problems that you can have with trying to digging, digging out mud tunnels and all that sort of thing. But um, it's, it, this, is, this vehicle is about converting a magnetic field. And... So, so basically, you're going to go. They're going to be doing a magnetic, a magnetic switch here when they go to Apelos. Um, he goes into the details of the driving device with illustrations, which is very uh, generous on his part. You don't normally necessarily see as much detail as you do in uh, such a book. But uh, th this is a, a whole change that's happening happening here. Um, when he gets down to the inside or in, into Apelos, he's going much deeper than he did, say, in the case of Tamasus. Oh, did I lose you? Hello? No, no, you didn't lose me. I'm, I'm just trying to uh, to get a running narrative here. Well, so, I mean, I, I can say that it's a maglev train. It actually is shaped like the government's uh, secret space program vehicle called the Yukon. It probably has to do with some aspect of that. But this is a higher advanced civilization. It has a completely different lurk, where Tomasis is more like square, a Greek-looking, uh, with uh, references to some of the Greek-sounding uh, words, possibly, and things like this. Uh, Apelos is more of a uh, kind of a seems like a, a combination of uh, uh, an extraterrestrial and Earth-based uh, society, and there is um, a, a lot higher uh, technology. And there's other they mention there's reference to other smaller cities, so there's a, a wide variety of societal and cultural uh, influences in these various inner locations and yet they're all very harmonious and um uh, peter will tell us now a little bit more about uh apelos and and what was happening there and part of radu and brad cesar's encounters oh see what the thing is while he's traveling in his vehicle he's looking at screens and the the screens uh, or the holograms work on his intuition 
So he can like think of a question and it'll start explaining stuff. He'll start seeing things. So this is all a very intuitive process. There's like you're talking about, and listen, people that would listen to your stuff would be very already tuned into their own intuition. Here you have intuition amplified and being fed back to you by the devices and the civilization that he's interacting with. This is so a, that's a I'm going to say something here. This is this is a really this is a standard technology of the Galactic Confederation as well. And Colonel Wendell Stevens, a wonderful book that he did with uh, Steph von D Denard called UFO Contact from My Arga. In that initial encounter, he was shown life of the civilization on the planet Iarga in the Vagan system. And he noted the same thing, that he was shown um, uh, an image of the city. And anywhere he places attention, like, oh, that rail system is good, it would go into details. When they went into the food production and their mass production or into the lifestyle or wherever he places attention, the uh, the kind of movie that was playing back to him um, would uh, would go to what he was interested in. And if he um, looked away, it was kind of like a freeze frame. So this is a very uh, universal technology and one that hopefully we can uh, employ in our educational system for people too. Yes, and when he gets to Apelos, he, as he's watching, he gets to see the whole history of the place and how it was developed by watching on the screens and the ancient nations um, that that settled the place. So this this whole area has a much bigger scape to it, landscape, viewscape, and it's it's still got the diffuse, diffused light, but it's a it's a much bigger bigger space and much more grandiose. Um, the construction is also different. Explain that. I don't remember the construction. You want to go at it? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they they kind of had some like it looked like a kind of like the London uh that kind of uh, looks like a giant egg, kind of a, a oblong more oblong than the egg, but it wasn't like a, a Dacian Greek uh, square buildings. Everything looks more circular, more dome like. Yeah, and uh he talks about that there are five five plateaus and a complex system of cavities beneath the territory of Transylvania, known as Transylvania on the surface world. So there's about five levels or main access plateaus to this area. Um, this would be, uh, whereas Tomasus is at the lower limit of the Earth's mantle, Apelos is much deeper. And as I recall, I thought it was an from what I'm reading here, I, I don't. I thought it was an interdimensional city. Uh, I don't. This is telling me it's not. I just don't remember. We kind of get it, into this area where the dimensions are kind of a. They're kind of shifting. It might be a slightly. It's obviously slightly more advanced than Tomasis, the societal structure, but um, we definitely get into interdimensional when we head to uh, Yosemite. Well, that's that's for sure, and and so, but there is a what's what's here. He's talking about hangars and warehouses here, and this is very important as to what plays out in the future, not only the, the our future, but as as these books roll along, there are 
all this trade and interaction. As I remember, that took place in Tomasis, but it took it takes place in Apelos, which is more under Transylvania. And as they say, the this is like, you know, if I were to drive, and I'm just thinking driving in a car because I don't know the mileage or kilometers, so to speak. If I wanted to go from on the surface where Tomasis was to Apelos, it would take me, um, you know, probably about seven hours of driving. Uh, that's not direct because you got to go around mountains in Romania, but uh, it's it's a it's quite a ways away. And of course, they get there rather rather quick. And his meetings here, it's not mentioned in this book, but they they're very important. Might be mentioned a little bit. He's getting acclimated and he's getting to know these people. And and this is what's important. There's a lot of technology that's explained here. And um, he's gone when he comes back to the base, uh he's he's it's like hardly any time. It's only been a few hours. Uh so he's it's like all this stuff happens rather quick. Yeah, I, I think um let's talk about um you know they have some very high security. Uh, if anyone gets near a cave and possibly goes in, um they have the ways to turn people around and so forth, but um, they actually uh, come to the surface and, and share a little bit about the warehouses and that they shop here, that uh, they actually come to the surface uh, uh, and actually live for, I think that one girl talked about she was going to have a future mission in Ireland where she'd live on the surface completely for three years. Well, yeah, there is an interaction between the two civilizations. And of course, uh, it's rather obviously very quiet people don't talk about it and and it can become i imagine it can become very disjointed and they would have to be very careful about what they say because these you know if you can't back up what you say nobody's going to believe you number one and you can't back up what you say if you're not going to open these doors to people so so these people basically don't talk too much is in regards to that. And these books are meant to be a conduit of understanding between the two worlds. It's also very important that um, Robert was talking about security. There is a lot of security. It's not necessarily the type of security we have because they're, the people on the surface of the earth have a mindset to go in and invade and conquer and, you know, explore and it's sort of like unwarranted. It's it's just like if uh, if a university if a, if we had a some new power take over the United States, and this power would go in and investigate the universities and in, investigate the corporations, it would be very invasive, uh, just to see what's there. And and then there would obviously be control issues that would be exerted upon universities and corporations. Uh, so. This is the mindset of the Western mind. It's going to go in there in, in much like the old Columbus mindset. It's going to exploit the, it's going to, it's going there with a mindset of conquest and exploitation. And this is not where these people are at. They have evolved out of that and they know how to keep on guard against it. And this is from lots of experience. So the mindset is completely different. And uh, 
you know, I like to joke to my relatives in Romania about, yeah, get to the inner earth and open up a Kentucky fried chicken franchise down beneath. And I mean, I'm just making a joke, <laughs> but, but that's the mindset that surface people bring with them. How am I going to profit from this? How am I going to do this? And this mindset is completely counterproductive to the individual to say nothing of the civilization down there. So there are strict security uh, factors employed to keep this sort of stuff from happening. They also have they also have some uh, warehouses where they transport certain goods uh, to their city from the earth. So that's right. They do have certain things. I think Peter's uh, uh, done a fantastic uh, job with this translation, and I'm really grateful that this series of books is out there. It's been very instrumental in my development. It's going, to, it's going to amplify and intensify. I can tell you this right now because uh, I've been in touch with the author, and this is like, I think there's at least five more books coming, at least, maybe more. And, and it's, uh, but that's what I've been told. And, and as you go into this deeper, because I, I haven't told you this, and I only received it. Uh, I was looking forward last week to a, a, a day of particularly drudgery, drudgery with, with administrative details and things I didn't want to do or wasn't eager to do. And when I came down, the first thing I saw on my computer was a, a, a file had been sent to me by my Romanian editor, Radu's Romanian editor, or a publisher, rather. And it was the full contents of the, the, the sixth book, the sequel to this book. It's called Forgotten. That Genesis. is such good news. My question was going to be, I hope we're going to have not have to wait so long for that one. So this no, is an no, amazing thing. I, I was like, I, 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 I could have been jumping up and down. I didn't choose to jump up and down, but it, I, I wrote in the uh, uh, epilogue to this, this book that we're discussing inside the Earth, the Second Tunnel, that in 25 years of publishing, books over 25 years it's close to 30 but i i'd never had any such problems getting a book out the door i mean just the problems first off it took me uh eight months from when this book was published in the romanian language to get a copy of the book my publisher didn't communicate to me for whatever reason i had to have my mother-in-law bring me eight five copies of the book so uh, I want to thank you on behalf of all of the people for the personal time, the frustration, and the effort that you go through to uh, get these books into position. But as you had mentioned to me previously, um, the difficulties that you face, you realize that this is important work and that what you're doing um, is going to have a beneficial result. And you've, you've mustered through. And um, we have a gem here, folks. And uh, it's a gem of a series, and I'm going to do my best to uh, to promote these books and the information for the betterment of mankind and for the establishment of more truth uh, that will help to heal our planet. So thank you, Peter. Well, you're welcome. And so what happened is uh, I had problems getting the book. Once I had the book, I scanned it, and I got my translator working on it. And my translator, well, I couldn't get the translator working on it because she was pregnant. So then I hired another translator because my wife didn't have time to do it. She's Romanian. And 
the this translator was not really a translator, but she gave it a go. And it was a lot of difficulty. And I ended up using her translation plus Google translation. I was going back and forth with two translations. And sometimes Google would be better than hers, and sometimes hers would be better than Google. So it was incredibly frustrating. And then uh, it took me, and then it was, of course, it was like sweating bullets to, to actually edit this. Uh, horrendously long, and, and then, you know, there's putting the cover together and everything was a whole exercise, and it, it ended up with a very, very excellent cover that I, I got. But the the thing was, it took me two years from when it was published in Romanian to before it was produced in English. That was a long time. Now, there was difficulties communicating with the publisher. He seemed like he was off in some parallel universe. Yeah. Even about other things. And finally, somehow, at the beginning of last year, we began to get on the same page with each other. And he sent me the electronic file, which is what enabled me to use Google Translate, which made it happen. In other words, it's not, I've got a wife who can tell me what this means in a pinch, you know, but it's, it's like, it's, the editing is, is, it requires a lot of English uh, working of re, even rewording the, the context of the sentences so that it makes sense in English. But I'm getting to a point here is that, is that what happens is I had not heard from the author since 2011. And he writes to me, and I think it was last year, and he says, um, how come the book isn't out? Is there a problem? Don't you like the book? Did you like the contents? And I wrote back, no, I said, the contents are great. I said, and I didn't tell him what the real problem was. The real problem was communicating with, with the publisher. And I, did, I didn't tell him that. I said, it's, I said, there's all of these barriers and stops. And then I, I kind of talked about him a little bit in the epilogue, and he read the epilogue. Uh, when this book came out a few months ago, and he said, it's interesting that you say that because I've had the same problem writing the sixth book. He said the same problem in his internal uh, facility in Department Zero getting the sixth book out, which is now out, which is not out, but it's it's now been delivered to me in Romanian. I don't even think it's published in Romanian yet. It, it's it, Although I was given the, the, you know, the advanced files. So, that's good. I'm glad that that's that's we're going to bypass a, a, a you know a delay there. Exactly, bypass all the nonsense and that. So it's like not, the only thing that can stop me on this book now is is my schedule. And I I started I translated the the author's note, which is like the prologue, immediately that day. I'm well into chapter one. Probably will be wrapping up chapter one. This book has a lot of chapters. It's about 350 pages. Of uh, the Romanian books are smaller than our typical book, so it'll probably be at least the same size as the last one. But in, in any case, uh, what this new book, what I've gleaned through it so far, because I haven't finished it, is that basically these people in Apelos who meet Radu uh, have chosen. I won't go into the details, but they have chosen him. Well, they're, first they're chosen by Caesar to help with some issues, but they have chosen Caesar uh, Radu to be an interface between the surface world and their world because they have an agenda which is to transform the consciousness of the human race and to create a persistence uh, 
back and forth between the two areas. So all of a sudden, the inner earth is like opening up. Peter, excuse me, brother. I'm going to have to interrupt you here. We've come to the end of our uh, hour here. Uh, but I want to thank you very much for uh, listening. Folks, please uh, go to Skybooks USA and purchase these books, these amazing books. The uh, I want to call them the Transylvanian the Sunrise right now. It's a quadrilogy with the secret parchment. It's number, there's actually five. More books are coming. It's been wonderful uh, having you on the air, Peter. And I want to thank uh, BBS, Don and Doug for having me on the show here and be sure to tune in next week when we will be going over the rest of this uh, amazing book, the inner earth, the secret tunnel by Radu Sinemar edited by Peter moon and folks be sure to check out my website. Um, I do have that conference coming up in Irvine at the atrium hotel, the fourth to 6th of October in Irvine, California with a portal to Ascension. There's links on my site for the upcoming events. And also, uh, you definitely want to check out the once-in-a-lifetime journeys to Peru in South America in October. Uh, we start on the 13th through the 18th. We have a two-day break. And then we go to Bolivia for another six days. You can check out those itineraries. You can go on one or both trips and be sure to reach out and contact me. I can answer all information. We have links up there. You can see pictures and everything. So thank you very much. And don't forget to help support the Children's Orphanage in Tanzania. We'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Victory of Light radio show. Thank you, Donna Doug, and my sound editor, Chris Spell. See you next week. Rob will be appearing in Irvine, California at the Atrium Hotel next to John Wayne Airport October 4th to 6th. Rob will be speaking there at the Portal to Ascension Conference. You see this information on the promisevealed.com website or go to theascensionconference.com to see the schedule and details. Keep an eye out on the Promise Revealed because soon Rob will be launching his new line of plating jewellery called the Nuclear Receptor and the Andromedan jewellery called the Holographic Projector. Rob would also appeal to your generosity to help the children at the Sadala Orphanage in Tanzania, Africa. If you will click on the image on the left-hand sidebar titled Sadala Orphanage, on the Promise Revealed homepage, you can see how the children need your help. And now, back to the Victory of the Light Radio Show. <laughs>